You know, I guess I think I've always been a professional critic, you know, or some sort of professional appreciator or something. This is serious business here, man. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. With a lot of noteworthy new albums this spring, it's time we did a review roundup. I'm Greg Cott. And I'm Jim DeRogatis. This week, we'll tackle the latest from Amy Mann, Spoon, and more. Plus, the Scottish duo Honey Blood join us in the studio. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. This is Sound Opinions, and coming up, Greg, we are going to tackle a stack of new spring releases. But first, I really want to talk about Rosie Hamlin, who died on March 30th at the age of 71. Who was Rosie Hamlin? Well, you have to think, Rosie and the Originals. One of the most famous bands in rock history that made a huge splash and then disappeared forever. The story is fascinating. Rosie was a 14-year-old girl, uh, Mexican-American heritage, growing up in Southern California in the early 60s who loved music and had this incredible, pure voice, uh, an amazing mix of naivete and sensuality. She wrote a tune called Angel Baby uh, that was inspired partly by the Penguin's Earth Angel and partly by her love for her first boyfriend. She got a couple of fellow high school students from San Diego to play instruments. They recorded this single, and she would go down to the local Kresge's department store in San Diego and hand sell the 45s until a label thought, there's something here. Highland Records picked it up. It comes out. It becomes a huge hit in those weird days of early rock and roll. DJ Alan Freed was playing it uh, a whole bunch of times a day. It becomes a smash hit nationwide. She never got credit for writing the song from Highland, so there was a big legal dispute. She split, made one more album with the man who would become her husband, and then disappeared from rock forever. When I say one of the most famous bands you've never heard of, right? John Lennon covered Angel Baby for the rock and roll album. It was left off the first edition, but it's on all the reissues. Jamaica, that weird attempt by Led Zeppelin to do a reggae song. Mm-hmm. Robert Plant asked the question, whatever happened to Rosie and the Originals, right? Rocky Erickson covered her, but so did Linda Ronstadt, and so did System of a Down. What do those three bands have in common besides a love for Rosie and the Originals? But I have to say, I fell in love with her in the early 80s when Lou Reed kept talking about her as a major influence on rock and roll heart. Lou Reed loved doo-wop, and I think Rosie and the Originals split the difference between doo-wop and that effervescent early 60s Phil Spector girl group sound. Uh, I think we should mark her passing at age 71, and there's only one way to really do it. Here is Angel Baby by Rosie and the Originals on Sound Opinions. It's just like...
That is The Immortal Angel Baby, a top hit in the fall of 1960 by Rosie and the Originals in tribute, Greg, to Rosie Hamlin, dead at the age of 71. Next up on Sound Opinions, we've got a bunch of new albums that we need to catch up with, significant new releases that came out in the last few weeks. Our first band up is Spoon. That is a little bit of Hot Thoughts, the opening track and title track of the new album, the ninth studio album by the Texas band Spoon. Greg, Spoon's history is now fairly extensive. Ever since in Austin, singer-guitarist Britt Daniel came together with uh, one of my favorite drummers in rock, and he has one of the greatest names, Jim (laughs) Eno. Those guys first hooked up in the early 90s and made a series of EPs. A brief foray in the late 90s, 1998 to be specific, with Electra Records and those sad dying days of the alternative movement when uh, major labels were still signing up bands, letting them have one record and then dropping them. (laughs) That's what happened to Spoon. But Spoon uh, began a long and lucrative relationship with Matador Records and put out several of what many people consider the early 2000s strongest independent rock records, Girls Can Tell, Kill the Moonlight, Gimme Fiction. Uh, Subtle variations of that sound ever since. The eighth album, they went up to upstate New York and began recording with Dave Fridman, noted producer of Mercury Rev and the Flaming Lips. For album number nine, Hot Thoughts, they are once again working with Fridman. Let's hear a track from Spoon's Hot Thoughts and we'll come back and give our reviews and rate it on the buy it, try it, trash it scale. This is Spoon with First Caress on Sound Opinions. First caress from the new Spoon album, Hot Thoughts. You know, Jim, uh, I don't think anybody would ever think of Spoon as a dance band, but uh, you got the groove all over this record. That's you know? Mr. Eno, Jim Eno on the drums. He's the master of the groove. And I don't think it's coming out of nowhere. I mean, they, I think the band has been building up to this moment for a long time. They've always been about uh, leaving stuff out and cutting songs down to their essence. 
Uh, in this particular record, everything's a percussion instrument. You know, those guitar riffs, uh, those little bells and hand claps. Um, you know, even the way Britt Daniels uh, enunciating some of the words, very rhythmic kind of yeah. uh, accents and the way he's approaching the vocals. And there's some cool string parts in this uh, record as well. So what I'm thinking of is kind of like this murky uh, disco record, like a subterranean disco record. You know, it's like the lights are kind of half lit. It's kind of moody and eerie. <laughs> you know, if, well, if, the disco in the sense that LCD sound system yeah, did disco. It's a, it's a very cool kind of underground vibe. You know, if this album were uh, side one and side too, and I know Spoon is thinking along these lines. Yeah. It's not just you know a, a CD or a, uh, a playlist that they're creating, but they're creating an album. Each side ends with a kind of a weirdo uh, song. The dub-like uh, pink up ends what would be side one if you're playing it on vinyl. And then there's this saxophone track, mm-hmm. uh, Us, that ends side two. And before that, they are preceded by these kind of very minimalist electro groove kind of moments. And at first I'm thinking, this is kind of a weird spoon record. And then I went back and started listening to some of the earlier stuff. And I go, you know, there have been elements of this in all of their previous records. And yes. they've been building up to this moment where they said, screw it. We're just going to make an entire record of these kind of grooves. I did a 180 on this record. My initial take on it was, I'm not loving this so much. By the time a week had gone by and I'd been listening to it pretty continuously, I go, this is a great spoon record. It's I see, a buy it for me. It, it's all about where you first listened to it. We had a couple of Sound Opinions events last week that required long stretches yeah. on I-90 in Chicago, right? right? And I was just listening to it nonstop in the car, and, and it was perfect right, for that. Right. I think, uh, you know, talk about gratuitous. I always have to say Jimmy knows name as many times as possible <laughs> because I just love his name and I love his drumming. He is incredibly inventive and, and he is really the leader. You know, Britt Daniels is the pretty boy up front, you know, <laughs> and, and he gets all the credit and, and makes everybody's hearts swoon. But Jimmy No pushes this band. The other thing I have to gratuitously insert is that nobody in rock history this side of Wire, the innovative art punks from the UK, have done consistently so much with so little. Mm-hmm. You ain't kidding when you say it's about leaving things out. And it's also about there are about five good spoon tricks. And they shuffle the deck mm-hmm. and how they continually come up with bold new statements using those minimalist uh, ingredients it never ceases to amaze me. And also, you know, Daniel's lyrics are often very telegraphed. You know, they're like sort of haiku uh, lines taken from different haikus, and you don't even quite know what he's saying, and yet it never fails to grip me. So absolutely, also an enthusiastic buy it for me. You're listening to a track called White Out Conditions from the new New Pornographers album, White Out Conditions. That is the title track from the seventh studio album from this Vancouver-based band. Uh, actually, no longer based in Vancouver because they're scattered all over the country, but originally from that British Columbia city uh, in the late 90s. They've been together for two decades now. Um, as I said, it started out as sort of a, 
uh, a collective of artists from Vancouver, uh, A.C. Newman, uh, ostensibly the leader in the group, but there was also a young woman named Nico Case in the band at the time. Nobody knew who she was. And another guy named Dan Behar, who nobody knew who he was at the time. And of course, Case and Behar ended up being solo stars in their own right. They are still major contributors to uh, the new pornographers over the years, although significantly Behar is not on this particular record. He was making his own solo project, so he was unable to contribute to the songwriting. So that leaves Newman as the uh, primary songwriter on this record. Uh, This is a little bit of a left turn. We're going to talk about it in a second, but let's play a track from Whiteout Conditions first. It's called High Ticket Attractions from the New Pornographers on Sound Opinions. That is High Ticket Attractions from the seventh studio album by the new pornographers. Um, Greg, I feel as if I'm about to kick a puppy. Who doesn't like puppies? Everybody likes puppies, right? Even if even if you don't want to take one home and clean up after it, I'm bored with the new pornographers. I'm done. I'm tired. I gave this album eight listens. I mentioned that specifically because that's that's a lot of time spent waiting for this record to kick in, and it never did. I'm not a huge fan of Dan Behar. Uh, His tracks on new pornographer albums came as like the detour, uh, intermission, you know, change of subject. Uh, Carl Newman is a great songwriter, great power pop songwriter. It doesn't bother me that Whiteout Conditions is more about synthesizers and keyboard textures than it is guitar. It just bothers me that I feel like I've heard every trick Carl Newman has to give me before. The joys in this album uh, come in listening to Catherine Calder, who is every bit as great a vocalist as Nico Case, and that's really saying something. Uh, I love those two voices. I think that's that's phenomenal. I really liked Brill Bruisers in 2014. Dancehall Domine uh, was like my favorite song that year. I kept waiting for a Dancehall Domine on this album. There isn't one. There are some perfectly fine, catchy ditties. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. and boy, is that damning with faint praise. We have not made the mistake of calling uh, new pornographers a supergroup. There are several celebrated names that contribute, but it's always been Newman's band, uh, augmented by very talented friends. I just think he's running kind of on fumes, and we've heard his songs before, and it's time to mix it up. Uh, I'm I'm out of trash it. I I'm not going to go back and play this record ever again. Wow, that's a little harsh. 
I, I think it's a little bit better than that, although I would agree with you in that there's a sense of, you know, they've tried a lot of things. Uh, they're searching for the next thing to go on to, and he's making an attempt here. They're What's, not searching as hard as Spoon. Well, I think one of the issues with the previous uh, New Pornographer's records was this incredible sense of variety. Like there was the Dan song, there was the Nico yeah, song, yeah. there was the uh, A.C. Newman song, and there was sort of like this rotating cast of vocals, almost like an all-star cast uh, with an individual sound for each one of those songs. Here it's more homogenized, and I think that's probably the, the issue that you may be having with it is that there is more of a seamlessness about this record and that variety isn't there. Uh, part of the seamlessness is that, you know, he went all in on these electronic sequencers. You know, these arpeggiators are all over this record. They're driving the rhythms. Makes a lot of their previous records sound like almost slow motion. And these were exuberant records they were making earlier. They made power pop anthems. They're they're like 5 to 10 BPMs, you know, faster than all their previous stuff. (laughs) Look at you getting all EDM over there. Well, you know, it's interesting because here's Spoon kind of moving in this direction. And now you see the new pornographer is very much embracing these electronic instruments on this record. But the problem is that you do lack that variety in the songwriting. I think that the song that we just played, uh, High Ticket Attractions, is a very catchy pop song. But I think the rest of the record does fall into that category where it does feel a little too homogenized. Unlike you, I did appreciate Behar's contribution immensely. I think this record cries out for something like Myriad Harbor or War on the East Coast, Mm. his great contributions to previous new pornographers' records that sort of set them apart. He's not here anymore, and I think the record suffers because of it. So it's a try-it record for me. All right, Craig, after the break, we'll be back with more reviews of big spring releases, and we'll hear from the Scottish duo Honeyblood. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRigatis, and we are running down some early spring releases. We're catching up with some significant new albums. And Jim, we've got Mastodon up next. Time for some metal. Yes, that is a little bit of a track called Steam Breather from Mastodon's new album, Emperor of Sand. 
This is a seventh studio album, uh, Greg, from this band, formed in Atlanta, Georgia in 2000. Mastodon has had a tough stretch going into this album. Bassist vocalist Troy uh, Sanders, uh, his wife uh, fought a fight with breast cancer, one, thankfully. Drummer vocalist uh, Bran Daler, his mother endured chemotherapy uh, after after battling cancer for 40 years. Mm. And guitarist Bill Kelleher, his mother passed away from a brain tumor. Um, so death is on their minds. Mastodon makes big albums, okay, as a band called Mastodon should. Mm. Leviathan, that was the record that really got you, if I recall, and you made me right. a fan. Moby Dick, reimagined as a metal album. Um, uh, this is more of a collection of songs by Mastodon. There's another difference. They worked with record producer Brendan O'Brien, who is, uh, you know, famously the the force behind the mixing board for Pearl Jam. So you want that big kind of hard-hitting arena sound, you go to Brendan O'Brien. We'll dig into our opinions after we hear a track uh, by Mastodon. This is the song Show Yourself from Mastodon's newest Emperor of Sand on Sound Opinions. That is Show Yourself from the new Mastodon album, Emperor of Sand. Jim, yeah, it is a collection of a wide variety of songs, but there is an overarching theme, which is, you know, a return back to the early days of uh, uh, Mastodon, you know, kind of this concept album. And, you know, you don't really have to know that there's a concept here. In fact, if unless you're a student of Mastodon and read the lyrics over and over again, you might not realize there is one. Right. But I'll give you it to you. It has something to do with a guy in the desert, Well, right? there's a guy who's uh, been handed a death sentence. A desert sultan says, you're, you're dead, my, my man. You know? <laughs> go, wander the, go wander the desert until you die. You know? Oh, boy. And uh, so to escape this guy is just you know, wandering around, hopefully there's a way out of this, uh, this emptiness. And uh, you can see the, the metaphor here, obviously, applying to the, uh, the people that they loved in their lives, having this sort of same experience of, you know, the sand of times right, running right, through, right, my, right. through my right fingers. Right through your fingers, yeah. So, and you do have these, the one thing I do like is some of these thematic uh, linchpins in the record, you know, the, the bells, the tubular bells. There's oh. not enough tubular bells no. in, in, in rock music in general. No, and no, see, the gong, <laughs> the gong is vastly overrated. It's the tubular orchestra bells that are cool. I hear some people complaining about Mastodon. Well, the three singers, they don't have those cookie monster vocals anymore. You know, Troy Sanders, uh, Brent Hines, and uh, Bran Daler are all singing relatively melodically. You heard that on the song we just played. They are clearly going for more of a popish approach. They remind me of some of the uh, the Swedish um, metal bands, thrash metal bands of the early 90s in that yeah. respect. Very melodic, but very hard-hitting. But within those songs are incredibly intricate uh, drumming, 
guitar playing, harmonics, you know, sweet like arrangements. I mean, yeah. very complex, progressive rock type of arrangements. Dare I say it? Rush level, <laughs> rush level. I think I think that is the most apt comparison for Mastodon these days. That the, the rush level of technical craft combined with storylines, uh, combined with the melodic vocals, uh, they they do remind me a lot of mid period Rush, and that is not a diss at all. No, I think I, I think they are a fantastic band. There's very few better bands operating in America right now than Mastodon. This is a buy it record. I would agree with you, Greg. I think if you're new to Mastodon, uh, start with two albums, 2004's Leviathan and this latest. It is that good. Um, I feel sorry for this band. It feels weird to say you feel sorry for something called Mastodon, right? But, you know, they get this progressive metal tag. They're not metal enough yeah. for some in the metal underground uh, or, or an even worse diss from real metalheads. They're the kind of metal that rock critics like. And maybe that <laughs> we are two rock critics indeed. However, I revert to the 13-year-old boy discovering Rush's hemispheres when I listen to this. I love being there, but I love that I can now examine it, uh, you know, lose myself in the thrash, obviously, uh, but also uh, appreciate the depth of the lyrics. Um, you know, if you do take the time to look at what they're saying, they're, they're, they're considering, it's an existential musing on how fragile life is and and love and loss uh, told via a science fiction story, mm-hmm. um, uh, or, or at least, you know, medieval Sturm und Drang. Uh, I, I love this record. It's, it's a great time. It's as good as Mastodon gets. So very enthusiastic. Double buy it for us. Gotta keep it together when your friends come back. Amy Mann has a new album out. It's called Mental Illness, and that is a song from it called Goose Snow Cone. Amy Mann, uh, some of you may remember the 80s, Till Tuesday. She was Voices in the Carrie. Boston synth pop band. Voices Carrie was a huge hit. Uh, solo career uh, in the 90s started losing momentum until the year 2000 when she decided to go solo in terms of her business career as well as her musical career. Uh, Bachelor Number 2 was the record she self-released on her website back then. Mm -hmm. That was a pretty radical move. This had been a major label artist for nearly two decades. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, the great director, was a, a friend of Amy Mann's. He said that it inspired the writing of the movie Magnolia and heavily used songs from Bachelor Number 2 on the Magnolia soundtrack. And suddenly Amy Mann was a star again for very different reasons than she was when she was with Till Tuesday. Uh, nine solo albums all told, plus an album with uh, rocker Ted Leo, the both, a very fine record, uh, power trio record that they put out in 2014. Uh, mental Illness is her first solo record in five years. Uh, the theme of Mental Illness, a very wry response to a question posed to her from a friend. You know, he says, uh, what's the new record about? And she said, oh, you know, the usual songs about mental illness. <laughs> kind of uh, poking fun at her reputation for yeah. writing kind of sad, uh, downbeat songs. Uh, let's uh, play a track from it before we review it. Here's a, a song called Simple Fix from Amy Mann. The new album is Mental Illness on Sound Opinions. Here we go again.
That is Simple Fix by Amy Mann from her new record, Mental Illness. Greg, I'm, I'm uh, thrilled to be able to say she's been a guest on our show several times, and Amy Mann is just a treasure. You know, I am not a singer-songwriter guy. When I hear those words, I kind of uh, instantly recoil. However, uh, you know, Amy Mann's craftsmanship is so impressive, her her lyrical turns of phrase, her ability to inhabit the troubled skins of interesting characters, her her way with making melody out of these often very wordy songs, but most of all, her passion. You know, Amy Mann really believes. It's been five years since a solo record, uh, but, but that's because she's waiting until she can give us material that she feels that strongly about. Despite... Uh, the title, Mental Illness, and despite this generally being a more low-key effort, it, it has to sneak up on you, I think it's as strong as as anything she's done. It's right up there with her very best. Uh, I, I'm an, an very enthusiastic about it. It's a buy it for me. Yeah, Jim, um, I reviewed it for the Tribune a couple of weeks ago, and I gave it a good review back then, and now I like it even more. Uh, it's one of those records that I think is going to evolve into one of her most loved, beloved records. Uh, it is just such a beautifully done record. She's never really done a record quite like this. Stripped everything down. We've used that a lot in, yeah. in context of some of our reviews today. But sometimes you can tell whether a song is any good or not by how much you can take away. And is there still something great there? If it doesn't work with just voice and acoustic guitar, you can put any amount of orchestra on top of it. It's not going to be there. And that's basically what you did here. There's some uh, finger-picked guitar, a little bit of piano, almost no drums on this record. Uh, I think the real master's touch was the way the strings are incorporated in these songs. Uh, you know, a Nick Drake might be a loose model for the way some of the, the songs were ornamented with these strings. They're, they're not, not that lush. They're not intrusive in any no. way. It's a very much of a texture, but it's really cool the way they were used in a different way on each song and not everywhere on every song. Uh, the song's about people being stuck in ruts and figuring yeah. out a way out. And you think that's despairing, but I think... What she's saying in this record is sometimes the first step is recognizing that this is your behavior, and that is the first step into the light. So there's sort of like an optimism there as well. Beautiful songs about the human condition. You know, normally confessional means, oh, woe is me, self-pity. This is about stuff that a lot of adults are going through. And I don't think Amy Mann could have written this album when she was 23. Right. You have to go through life a little bit to write a record like this. And it makes it very much of a piece with the themes that were on Mastodon's record. And wouldn't that be a hell of a tour (laughs) with Amy and Mastodon together? Wow. Uh, Right. The mind reels. That's everything you want in life. Amy Mann with uh, with a mental illness, a buy it record from both of us. Greg and I must be in a good mood. Those are uh, Byatt's enthusiastically for Amy Mann, Mastodon, and Spoon. We did split on new pornographers. I said trash it. He said try it. We've told you what we think. Now we want to hear your opinions on these new records or anything else in the music world. Call us at 888-859-1800 and share your thoughts. We'll be in the studio live with the Scottish duo Honey Blood in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX. They served you champagne like a hero When you landed someone carried your back From here on out your patient zero Smelling ether as they hand you the rack 
Life is good. You look around and think I'm in the right neighborhood. But honey, you just moved in. Life is grand, and wouldn't you like to have it go as planned? Go as planned. Hip hip hooray, hocus pocus. With some magic, you can fly through the air. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott, and that is a little bit of the Scottish duo Honeyblood, Stina Tweeddale and Cat Myers. Uh, Greg, their last album, Babes Never Die, was one of my absolute favorites from last year. I am a sucker for that combination of haunting melodies, uh, creepy imagery, a little bit goth, a little bit garage, a little bit power pop. Stina and Kat joined us in the studio to play live and to chat, and I started the conversation by asking Stina about how she got her start as a musician. I think there was always guitars in my house. This one was there, and a very musical family. Um, I wasn't really interested in playing other people's songs, mm. which is probably why what stifled my musical ability for a while. You are a galvanizing front woman, <laughs> Thank you. a big presence, and by your own admission in interviews, a bit of a control freak. Yeah. I am. I'm. Is I'm, this true, Cat? Is she a bit of a control freak? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's fine. I know. Nobody in rock and roll has ever accomplished anything without having a vision that they stick to. Yeah, I think, especially with this album, I feel like it's it's been a real strong vision from the beginning. Mm. The first song, Babes Never Die, was written, and then that became the album title. I think everything kind of slotted into place. And so, yeah, I kind of have like a vision of how it should be, and I get quite stressed when it doesn't go the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard you sound checking with Babes Never Die. Were you going to play that first? Um, well, we're going to play Love is a Disease, a good example of the new sound, I guess, for mm-hmm. the album. It's got, um, well, it's got bass in it for stars. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, how are you pulling uh, that off? I do not see a bass well, guitar. Uh, <laughs> Trickery. Ah, um, uh, the magic of the octopad. Is that what that is? That's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, SPD. Yeah, so we call these bass sounds, the collective name is Sebastian. Ah. And um, yeah, I, and I trigger the bass sounds while playing drums. Sounds like he's got a little bit of a, a cold or a nasal situation going on, Sebastian. <laughs> a little bit nasally sometimes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, Love is a Disease by Honeyblood on Sound Opinions.
Love is a Disease by Honey Blood, live on Sound Opinions. Stina Tweedell on guitar and vocals, Telecaster and vocals, and Cat Myers bashing the hell out of them drums. Um, okay, so from the beginning, you've written these dark songs, and I've heard you describe them as good angry. Yeah. And that one certainly qualified. So. What do you mean by that, Stina? Um, I'm the kind of person to think that's better out than in. I mean, when it comes to songwriting, I don't hold back. I say what I mean. <laughs> and a lot of people um, on the first album were like, wow, that's really harsh that you say those things. But, I mean, it's all all fair in love and war, you know, and uh, that's why I write songs. I think. Well, it's rock and roll. What are we pulling our punches for? Yeah, it's also very therapeutic for me, too. <laughs> I've heard that first album described as lo-fi, and I don't know if that's accurate. I've never met a musician who embraced that term, but uh, but certainly it, it seems uh, a little rougher in sound than the new record. The way that we wanted to do this record, we kind of like had like a game plan, which was to make it sound bigger and more rock, mm. but also keep this like kind of pop side to it and make sure that the melodies are shining through. Well, you know, it's interesting um, because some of the most vibrant bands in America and indeed around the world right now, Courtney Barnett from down in Australia, mm. have been turning to uh, what was most inspiring about the 90s alternative movement and taking it somewhere new. You can reduce some of those bands and say, oh, they're retro. I don't think it's that at all. It's that combination of crunch and melody. And I know that that's something you said. You, you said you were listening to a lot of Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's a given. I think that's we're both in that same boat, aren't we? Yeah, I think it's like that like young teenage years, you know, yeah, when it's like yeah. that's when like you totally, you fall head over heels, you know, in love with your instrument and that type of music, which for me was all like Led Zeppelin, Fuse, Queens of Stone Age, like mm -hmm. Nirvana, all that stuff. So it's like... What makes me the drummer I am is all those bands that inspired me. When I uh, first fell in love with the, this record, I'm, I'm thinking the whole time, you know, like Witches on the Bog, or I'm, I'm seeing like Wicker Man in my head, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> there is this, and you kind of played that up. You, you said the recording was in, it was this old mill surrounded by candles when you were making this record. Um, yeah, when we, we demoed brought, stuff, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was a happy accident, though. Like, we didn't mean to <laughs> go, <accident>. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it wasn't too too happy. Um, we thought it was going to be cute and like uh, kind of idyllic, and mm. it turned out to be really, really scary, <laughs> uh, like <laughs> the start of a horror movie. But we escaped, so it's fine. Yeah, so, we made it out. Yeah. Well, you read about Led Zeppelin recording the third album, you know, at this little cottage, you know, or Genesis. I mean, that whole uh, like English cottage idea sounds always better in imagination than reality. You get there, it's damp, it's scary. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing to yeah. eat. Yeah, that's pretty much. We we had like baked potatoes like every night. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. drank a bit of wine, though. It was yeah, nice. we had lots of wine. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah. What is it about that kind of gothic imagery that appeals to you? Um, I mean, I've always been like a sucker for that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. For me, it's like gr they're gruesome romance stories. Yeah. The songs are gruesome love songs. The whole album, everything is connected. Well, yeah, so. you just run down the titles, you know, <laughs> Walking at Midnight, Justine, Misery Queen, Sister Wolf, you know. It's, like, <laughs> it's a definite theme. I see a theme. <laughs> uh, how about another song? What are you going to play? 
Uh, I think we're going to play the title track from the album, uh, Babes Never Die. Excellent. Babes Never Die by Honey Blood, live on Sound Opinions. 
I wanted to go back to what we just heard, uh, Stina, babes never die. Now, in America, if I say to my wife, you know, hey, babe, I, I'm okay, right? If I'm on an elevator and I say to another, uh, to a woman, you know, hey, uh, you're a babe, right? <laughs> you, I, I've heard, have an interesting definition of what you mean by that word. For the whole babes never die thing, it's about taking ownership of that word and being like yeah. having self-respect. You know, you, you're you a babe, everyone's a babe, you know, like have yeah. respect for yourself and what you're doing. And, um, and the never die part is um, about, you know, not letting people underestimate you and... Um, yeah, don't take what people say to heart and just keep on doing what you're doing. So Andrew, who is shooting video here, or Adam, who is recording, they're babes. Yeah, yeah. Because they're doing a good yeah. job and they're never going to die. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, so that's it's, you applauding yeah. anybody who's a babe. You know, trying to give it back to the boys as well. Like, Right. It's, Not all of them, but the ones who... The ones that are babes, yeah. Uh, okay, so you're going to play us one more song before we have to say farewell. What, what were you going to play? Um, I think we're going to play Sea Hearts next. Sipping tequila after dark Wasn't that gave us a head start The world they've taught played part And I'm crossed on to my lucky charm Wild child and cherry bazaar Running down the aisles of life's sparkle bizarre A careful of wild, no one knows where we are And you know I chase you oceans far Rolling coasters is the humble little form Promise you to any caution We are the breakers 
Yeah. Sea Hearts by Honey Blood, live on Sound Opinions. I loved it. It was a real treat having uh, Stina Tweeddale and Kat Myers on Sound Opinions. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much you. for having us. Greg, that wraps up our record review roundup and Honey Blood. What have we got on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we have a live performance and interview with Drive-By Truckers. Special thanks this week to Adam Yaffe and Andrew Gill for helping out with Honey Blood. Sound Opinions is produced by Brendan Banasak, Evan Chung, Alex Claiborne, and Iona Contreras. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. New messages. Who's going to do it if I don't? Hi, my name is Dion. I'm from Atlanta. I just listened to your episode with Mavis Staples. I wasn't a fan. I just knew her name. But after tonight, she has a new fan. That interview just shed light on how amazing she was and how amazing that time was and how important music was. It was incredible. But see, I'm not left with many more choices. I gotta put it into action, action, action. Doing it A to Z until I set myself free. Action, action. I don't care if you refuse to see. Action, action. Consider this a sign of an emergency. Action, action. Who's gonna do it if I don't do it? Hi there, my name is Ann. I am from the state of Georgia. I was just listening to the interview uh, with Mavis Staples. Um, I was a longtime fan of the Staples Singers and just thoroughly enjoyed the interview. Uh, I've learned a lot, and it was, it was very informative to hear a little bit more about how they got started and her family. What I, struck me is that how down-to-earth the lady is. She's such a down-to-earth person. It uh, sounds like she's a family-oriented lady. Uh, and the fact that she did not want to go out and sing on her own without her family. Uh, I, I, I'm starstruck and I haven't met her. My name is Donald. Yes, sir, to tell you, Mabel Staples. That was one of the best interviews I've ever heard. Originally, I'm from Chicago, Illinois. It brought every childhood memory that I have ever had back, including the Wallerville Band, including Jerry Butler, Curtis Mayfield, the impressionist. Have a great day. Thank you so much. The simplest things can be the hardest to do.
can't find what you're looking for even when it's looking for you the judge and the criminal the sinner and the priest got something in common bring them all to the knees my name is Andrew uh, Houston Texas just recently listened to your Mavis Staples episode I couldn't be more excited for the second episode uh, the stories that Mavis was sharing were were thrilling they were exciting um, they were life-giving just like she is just like her music is uh, the last three albums that Mavis has done on her solo career they're all moving um, for those who are Christians it's incredibly powerful having her sing these words seeing these encouraging things and be able to uh, reach a different part of your soul uh, God has just blessed her in this crazy way where her voice unlocks something uh, that I have not really heard from others. Uh, just her depth, her soul, her heart, it all comes through with every note that she sings. Uh, lots more thoughts, but thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, Mavis Staples is incredible. When you're trying to find yourself some love and trust, do what you can, might not be enough. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.